137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, and this is episode 66. And with me, as always, is Preston. Preston, how's it going? Man, it's going. Awesome, man. Awesome. And backseat driving, we've got Steven. Hell yeah. What's going on, everybody? Boom. Hell yeah. I feel like it's been forever since we recorded. It feels like it. Just yeah, like it feels it. like it's been a real long time. Feels like it's been, man. Yeah. Anything new in anybody's life? Anything exciting they want to share? Mm. No, not really. Going to be moving soon. So that's cool. Steve? Yeah. Get a new place somewhere nicer. Be awesome. Other than, <laughs> there you go. Other that's, than that, that was good. Uh, we do got some, some news. I mean, mm-hmm. I think so anyway. Uh, first up, I'm going to bring up the old um, Instagram because we have some new followers. And I think that if people take the time out of their day to follow us, we should probably give them a little... A little shout out, little love, little, do little it, little love. go to town. If I can get it. I got a new phone too, so you know, big baller. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure it out. Everything is back. I finally made the switch back to Android, so like everything's different. I'm getting used to it again. So a uh, brand new follower today. Uh, his name's Larry. So shout out to him. And oh, awesome! I don't know right. if anybody Thanks, Larry. If, any of you two know him? I don't know, but uh, our f- I, if it's I believe if it's the Larry I'm thinking of, yes, I do. Cool. And what's up, Larry? Cool. <laughs> what up, Big Larry? <laughs> and then uh, uh, Kaylee, so a friend of ours. Oh yeah, uh, Kaylee. Mister Mister Bones did yeah. a follow not too long ago. Some qualifying tournament ta- challenge uh, for ducks. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Amber, Patty. Chris and Stephanie and Melinda. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, hell yeah, man. Lots of people. Midnight, Scario, and Martial Arts Club. <laughs> yeah, so. What about what about Corey? Is Corey on our Instagram? Uh, fuck probably not. Fuck man. Corey. He got the new phone, yeah. too. But he'd probably, he's probably too good for Instagram. But listen <laughs> right. to what else we got, guys, if you can hear this. It's like a bag, right? What's in the bag? What's in the bag, Preston? It better be that fucking Bigfoot pin, Sean. Tell me all about. <laughs> I think what it sounds like is a whole lot of background noise. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm trying to be theatrical here. Yes, it is indeed. Oh, okay. So our listener and close friend Chauncey uh, went to uh, Bailey, Colorado, and while him and his wife were there, they stayed in a little tiny home and had a great time. And they went to the Sasquatch Outpost. Which is a huge Bigfoot museum in Bailey, Colorado. He got us these cool little buttons. It's in the shape of like a pentagon. It's got some uh, some of the big feet on there, and then a Bigfoot himself, the traditional post uh, pose. Sweet. And it's a little and it's a little pin, a little um, you know, little button. Yeah, a button. That's what it was. You were like, oh, is it a pin? And you got like all technical. I'm like, dude, it's a fucking <laughs> '90s pin. Like you wear it on your. Your shirt, and you made you made your own with that fucking machine that was too expensive, and you didn't get it for me. Thanks, Dad. But no. <laughs> <laughs> damn, and then That's it was an hour and a half. That's elaborate. Man. Uh, <laughs> shit. And then it's an hour and a half of fucking therapy. Yeah. So uh, also, he got us 
Bigfoot pocket journal. This thing came in a three pack, perfect for us. It's got <laughs> three different covers. One is uh, Sasquatch himself sitting at a uh, lakeside, you know, maybe a pond or so, watching a man fish with the, with the mountains in the background. And the other one is the traditional Bigfoot pose because apparently he just always gets caught in drawings and camera like that. Mid-stride. Yeah. Oh, and also on that other picture with him sitting by the lakeshore, I just noticed because it's right here on the front, uh, bigger behind it. Fucking Sasquatch. Oh, uh, not Sasquatch. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster is chilling. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, that right there is a Chase variant cover, so let's see who, who gets that. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's calling dibs. <laughs> uh, and then also it's got the um, – it's got like a – kind of like a heat map of the entire world, and it says uh, – oh. Uh, worldwide sighting. So pretty cool little notebooks. He thought, oh, that'd be cool. We can write down little notes. Yeah, and man. I know we, oh, yeah. we all depend on our phones nowadays with Google Docs, but we could take some old school notes. Oh, dude, I know. Like literally the other day, I was like, I just want like an old school like sticky notepad or something mm-hmm. just to write notes as I'm sitting here and like weird shit comes up on my phone and I can just write down like, ooh, uh, Mothman, ooh, uh, Flatwoods Monster. Right. Now we got it because Chauncey Boom. is on the ball. Yes, and there's thinking of the things we don't think about. There's one other, one other um, surprise. surprise. Yes, oh. but now Chauncey was like, "Well, I only got one of them, so you guys are gonna have to fight over it." And I wasn't even <laughs> gonna tell you fuckers that I that I got this because I was like, <laughs> <laughs> he brought it to my fucking house. So <laughs> uh, it is a postcard. And it says Watcher in the Woods. And it doesn't look like Bigfoot. It looks like Caesar Cesar or whatever from <laughs> Planet of the Apes. And I'm gonna send I'm gonna send it to you guys. It's ridiculous. And then uh so yeah, it's a postcard. And in the back it says the Sasquatch Outpost, Bailey, Colorado. Hell yeah, dude. And I thought oh, to myself, yeah. I said, Well, I shouldn't keep this. And it should go to Sean Preston. The reason why I say this is because of all the editing Sean does. And that uh, takes right. a lot of fucking time. Oh, shit. Sure. So there's your payment. A postcard. Thanks, Chauncey. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. No, that's awesome. Chauncey, thank you so much, man. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. It was really nice of him. Appreciate that. And you know what? Uh, Brady Brady got uh, got me a Bigfoot sticker that says, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did indeed. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Shit. Yeah. Presents. No. Well, that's that really is pretty great. Chauncey, thank you so much, man. That was pretty cool. Oh, that is pretty cool. cool it's pretty little thanks, man. Hell yeah. And another thing, which is kind of like, remember how I went to Colorado and I went to the Stanley Hotel? Yeah. Apparently tonight, because the way that that hotel works is the doors are always open. Like uh-huh. people go in and out and they don't want to like everybody opening the doors. You got to do all the maintenance on the doors, blah, blah, blah. Fucking bear just walked right up in there. <laughs> just, what? Yeah, it's just chilling at the bar, going between, going between <laughs> the bar and the main lobby. Yeah. I swear to God, there's a video of it. It's hilarious. It's wow. like it's not that's amazing. It's not like a huge massive one. I mean it's still pretty damn massive, but he's like getting up on the couches, stomping his feet. <laughs> Fuck your couch. Like Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Walking Fuck on the you. uh walking on that like real fine dining like little coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture him breaking like plates, <laughs> smashing like, pint glasses, like walking over the table and just like looking at him, just scratching his paws. He walks by, <laughs> mm-hmm. digging into the surface of the fucking bar yeah. top. Yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy, <laughs> pretty crazy looking um, uh, funny, clip, man. video clip. So, anyways, that's it. Just thanks to all the people that followed and gave us gifts. We're big time now. 
Hell yeah, man. I mean, I never thought we'd be go this far. So the fact that we're getting presents and shit. Moving I'd on. I'd say we up. hit the big time, guys. I think we hit the big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. Thank you, guys, everybody. Everybody, thank you for supporting us thus far. Like, literally, it was just kind of a hobby that, uh, you know, Rob so graciously asked uh, Preston and I to join. And, you know, as this thing's evolved, Steve got to come on board. And we've we've done a lot. We've We've done a lot more than I thought we would do. And it's great. I can't wait for the future of where things are going and, and how things have been progressing. So uh, and we've been getting a lot of little invitations to go to certain things, you know, locally here in Wichita and a lot of places taking notice of us and asking us, you know, to gear up to come to certain locations. I I just got off the phone with a buddy of mine who would like us to come to a place and do some EVP recording and maybe record like a little uh, round table. He invited us and I can't say on the air where this is at. Mm-hmm. I hate to mm-hmm. be spoilery because of the nature of the institution, the installation we're going to, installation we're going to, but um I'll tell you guys more about that off the air, but cool. And we've got some fun round tables coming up too. Um a couple listeners, local listeners, um want to jump in on some stuff, so uh our buddy Isaac is um, master soap maker, and we're gonna go make some soap with Isaac and uh, record a little roundtable with him. And then what are our we buddy do Danny, that? listener, um, sometime soon. It's gonna be fucking fun making some soap. Shit, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, people do that to make bombs now. too? Um, well, and guys, <laughs> that's not why episode sixty six is... was the no. last <laughs> ever heard. No, I'm not talking. Not about, I'm not talking about us. I'm just saying, like, isn't that something that <laughs> terrorists have done, like, with mm. shit making soap bombs? I mean, something? that was on Fight Club, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Stevens anarchist cookbook over there. <laughs> no, I, yeah. making soap. I've always wanted to do that. I've heard, I've seen like video of it and shit. It looks tight. So I'm excited yeah. for that. And I'm oh, really yeah. excited then, for the um, horror one with Danny. That dude knows. Yeah, that our dude buddy knows Danny, his um, shit. Yeah, listener and longtime listener. Um, we're gonna get together with him hopefully at the uh, end of September and do a special episode about uh, horror movies. Man, horror, it's it's pretty much horror movie time. Leaves have started falling, and in my book, that symbolizes uh, Halloween. So mm-hmm. we'll be doing a special episode about horror movies and and you know just a really fun deep dive into horror movies. That's gonna be a lot of fun too. So. Shit, yeah. Well, I suppose um, it's going to be a long episode, guys. I'll get to why here in a minute, but we've got today kind of is a special episode we'll be doing. But before we get into the meat and taters, as Preston calls it, let's go ahead and knock out a little bit of news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to sit here in some dead silence while the page loads up because I've got to get Okay, cool. Do, 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 do. <laughs> so Egypt has been, of course, a talk of the town lately, and I just snagged this article from the 16th of August, and it says archaeologists find 32,000 – shit. Well, I can't read. Archaeologists find 3,200-year-old cheese in an Egyptian tomb. So apparently a few years ago, a team of archaeologists cleaning sand from an ancient Egyptian tomb discovered a group of broken jars, one of them containing a mysterious white substance. That right there just tells me to leave it the fuck alone. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, my God. Idiots. (laughs) Yeah. People love Egypt and curses. 
But what they're assuming is the strange substance might be cheese, and the tomb in which the cheese was found belonged to an Egyptian pharaoh whose name I'm going to butcher. Uh, Thomas? Thomas? Is, is this the Egyptian way to spell Thomas? P-T-A-H-M-E-S? Thomas! <laughs> <laughs> Prince Pharaoh Thomas, a high-ranking <laughs> Egyptian official from the 13th century BC and the former mayor of the ancient city of Memphis, according to the paper. Um, in the burial site they found in 1885, it was lost because of shifting sands and then rediscovered in 2010. The ancient cheese, which was sometimes <sighs> included in feasts buried alongside wealthy Egyptians, is probably similar to the consistency of... Uh, Chevre, Chevier, C H E V R E, Chevre, whatever, fucking Chevre. Can you imagine the yeah, stench? No, oh, dude, yeah. Um, it was a really, really, <laughs> had a very, very acid like bite, according to Paul Knudsen, a professor at the University of Vermont who studies cheese, apparently. Fucking nerd. Bite? He ate that shit? No, um, that cheese itself had a very spicy bite. I don't think he ate it. Oh, he okay. He's talking about that mummy. type of cheese. Yeah, but they're saying it could be the oldest cheese ever found. No shit. And, uh, <laughs> no blah, blah, sure. blah, science stuff. There you go. <laughs> and the finishes here. Adventurous eaters be warned. The cheese may not be cursed, but <laughs> an analysis found evidence of the bacteria that causes uh, brucellosis. Brucellosis? Yep. Man. I sound like Preston pronouncing this shit. Damn right. An infectious disease that can <laughs> that can cause fevers, headaches, muscle pain, and other symptoms that can reoccur or may never go away. So you want to drink sewer water from mummies, you're probably going to want to eat this cheese too. Yeah, but it's like powdered, so really you're going to sniff it like blow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Parmesan cheese coke. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, man. Well, I mean, that's not it for Egypt, right, Presto? Because you've got some updates for us on a previous story. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the uh, the ship mummies uh, are back in the news again because as they were examining the bones, they found that embedded um, in all three of uh, the different skeletons was this gold paper, like, tin thing and they unfolded it, and each one of those had a different emblem on it. So you had one that had like a weird poppy seed-looking thing. You had another one that had a snake, and then you had another one that had like corn or some type of crop on it. And that was typically something that you would see that soldiers would carry around with them, so it was the mark of a soldier. And what's interesting is that two of the bodies were male and one of the bodies was female. And typically in the Roman era, you didn't see female soldiers, but you did see female soldiers in Egypt. Um, so it kind of sparking some, you know, like what ifs, like, you know, how did they die? Were they all related? Um, but uh, you said that you heard a different take on this story. Yeah, I heard a completely contradictory update on what this uh, was all about. So supposedly, um, further studies and analysis of the tomb, they believe that the the sewage water they thought was like, you know, a, uh, a leak in the coffin and just some like duty water that had seeped in yeah. may actually just be runoff from the earth and it could have just been the mummy's wrappings. Yeah, that had since decayed and mixed with the water, plus you know the the skin and the goo and stuff. So it may not actually be shit water 
that seeped in but actually just liquefied remains and rotted um, mummy wrappings that that could be the water. But furthermore, they believe because at first they were bummed out because there wasn't any treasure or gold or anything that they could find in the, the tomb, the sarcophagus. Mm-hmm. They believe they may actually be a royal family who was buried there because it was common supposedly for some of your wealthiest families, wealthiest um, patriarchs and stuff to be buried with nothing. That way you would um, kind of hold off grave robbers. If you just buried them with nothing, then they wouldn't actually go in there and disturb the tomb. Hmm. So, um, yeah. and then furthermore, apparently one of the skeletons they're saying is a female and she had been discovered to have a small puncture wound in the back of her head. And they believe that this actually was not the cause of her death, but could be signs of some of the very first brain surgeries hmm. wow. uh, based on the size, shape, and um, basically analysis of the actual uh, penetration wound in the back of her head. So, so weird. Yeah, I well, got a completely different update today. Yeah. <laughs> Furthermore, my story actually came from the official Luxor Museum Twitter page. So, uh Oh, Whoa, watch out here. <laughs> it's fucking swinging dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking official. Yeah. My webpage well, is I mean, better than yours. Worth, <laughs> for what it's worth, mine came from fucking Circus Circus, Preston, so eat it. <laughs> Either way, I think we can all agree that people are fucking morons for wanting to drink that shit. No shit, man. Yeah. Well, hey, check this tangent out. Speaking of drinking and discovering um, different locations and Vegas – we once went to Vegas, uh, Shayla and I, for our friend's joint bachelor-bachelorette party. And Shayla and myself and I believe our friend Bree and Jaquise, Jeremy and Tiffany, and I think there may have been a couple others, we were in Circus Circus and we'd been drinking for a pretty decent part of the day. So we weren't really sloshed, but we were riding that golden wave of Buzztown. Yeah. And we rode the roller coaster, got a couple more beers. We were walking around. We got lost in Circus Circus. And we ended up like deep in the bowels of the forgotten parts of this hotel. And it was like an abandoned repurposed parking garage where all the old furniture goes to die. Nope. Nope. And so there nope. were like bags of like <laughs> – what? Like that, that – uh, what's his – that uh, African-American comedian. What's his name? Uh, got in a car wreck a while back. That meme of him going, nope, nope, nope. Oh. He's like when he's like in that car <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tracy Morgan. That's who it is. Tracy yeah. Morgan. Yeah, that's a yeah. great. That's a great thing. That's what I'd be doing right there. Nope. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So we're down there, and we're like, "Where the fuck are we?" And there's broken uh, bedside tables and old lamps, lots and of needles and everything. And yeah, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Greasy. Is what I got it a is. picture somewhere. So we, yeah, Jeremy and I ended up taking a photo together. Um, but anyway, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Took a photo to mark the occasion. So, okay, back at it. Um, I've got a surprise story for you guys. I didn't put in the show notes because I wanted this to be really fun as you experience it as I uh, unfold the tale. Um, we live in a weird part of uh, the digital age where dating is not like it used to be when I was uh, your guys' age and still dating. Like we, I would go skating and bowling. <laughs> we didn't have Tinder, but. I found a really awesome story that this guy tweeted and it's like a really like drawn out saga of maybe the most peculiar Tinder date in New York that I've ever fucking I, I know what you're going to talk about. Okay. So this dude, 
And I, it's B-V-D-H-A-I, so I'm not gonna even going to say it. We're just going to call him this dude. I'm going to read you his Twitter saga of how the story unfolds, and this is pretty fantastic. I'm about to tell you an epic tale about <laughs> subterfuge dating in the 21st century and the fall of human civilization. This actually happened to me, and it could happen to you. Get some popcorn. So a few weeks ago on Tinder... A few weeks ago on the Tinder machine, sorry, shopping for my soul and shopping around, I matched with a very attractive lady, no bio, fairly innocuous. I message her some random shit, we chat for an hour or so, and then she says, here's my number, text me. And I'm like, okay, sure thing. I text her and we make some small talk about work for a bit, and then she goes, actually, I had this huge presentation I'm working on for my job. Would you be offended if I got back to you in like a week or two when I have more free time? You're cute and I want to meet up with you. I'm just super busy right now. I thought, well, that's obviously an elaborate way to ghost somebody. I say, LOL, I wouldn't be offended. I totally get it. Hit me up when you're free. She says, thank you. I was worried you would think I was trying to blow you off. Ha ha. But for sure, I'll text you back in like a week. I'm excited. And in my head, I'm like, sure. So I just respond with a smiley face emoji. Two weeks pass. I completely forget about her. Then I remember and go back to Tinder and I can't find the conversation. Hmm. I think, well, that's weird. She deleted her Tinder and I take it as an overly elaborate ghosting method. Then yesterday, I get this text. All caps. Hey, I'm finally free, LMAO. My friend is DJing near Union Square tomorrow around 6. I was wondering if you would like to go for a bit. We could get some drinks after and see what happens. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. Genuinely, I didn't think she would message me. I reply, yeah, I should be free. I'll be down. She says, amazing. I'm going to be running around today and tomorrow. But just come around 6 and I'll meet you by the stage when then we'll head out. I said, sure thing. Looking forward to it. This morning, she texts me at 9 a.m. Hey, it's going to rain today, but I think it should clear up for our date. And I'm like, cool, I'll be there. I played football with some friends earlier today. I expressed my incredulity about the situation. I find her Instagram account, and it says singer, actress, model, 3,000 followers. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about this, bro. This shit feels off. But fuck it. I make my way down to Union Square. I eat a hot dog and look over by this open lot by 17th Avenue. There's a stage and a DJ and about a hundred people. Cameras and shit. And I think, well, this is some random ass Manhattan shit. Hmm. Well, she texts me, hey, I'm running a little late, but just meet me by the stage when we can go. I wasn't going to stand in front of the fucking stage, so I stand off to the side for a bit. Eventually, I see this girl moving backstage with two enormous bodyguards in sunglasses and realize it's her. And I'm thinking, what in thine fucketh is going on? Thine <laughs> <laughs> I stay back and assess the damn assess the situation. I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna stay right here where I am till she texts me. The DJ eventually stops playing and she gets to the stage and I'm so fucking confused, but I think, well, I guess she's a social media personality or some shit. I immediately think I'm too fucking old for this shit. She gets the mic. And is like, thanks for coming out. I bet you're all wondering what's going on right now. And I'm like, what the fuck is this about? Then she says, so I know all of you here are on a Tinder date. And I'm like, huh? She then says, I invited you all here for a chance to go on a date with me. And proceeds to give a Hunger Games speech about what it's going to take to date her. All caps. 
all the dudes there she found on Tinder and texted them the same shit. Yep. Every man in the crowd looks down and mimes, what in the name of Scooby-Doo is this shit to themselves? Sociopath. <laughs> at that point, I genuinely am amazed at the fallopian fortitude this girl possesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the greatest phrases I've yeah, ever heard. It's pretty good. Uh, the balls on this dude. The fallopians in that chick. This is top ten greatest finesse of all time. Dude actually stayed and oh hang on a second dudes actually stayed and played mm-hmm. i went home all caps it's like the i trust no one what's it called uh hmm? are you not a detained gladiator shit not? it's like that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah. it's disgusting that uh, it's really sad um in all caps i trust no one i trust nothing anymore vanity will be the demise of human civilization i don't get it i don't get got the end. Yeah. And then he posts a picture and it's this chick wearing, you know, kind of just, you know, afternoon out kind of wear. And then just a mob of like a hundred dudes just staring at her like, what in the fuck's going on? So crazy. Yeah. Man. And then the top, the top comment said a woman used Tinder to orchestrate her own bootleg pop-up version of the bachelorette. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what in the serious fuck? Yeah. It's nuts, man. Like I say, I, I don't uh, I've had terrible luck with online dating in the past, and mm-hmm. it's dude, it's literally fucking insane to me. When I when I heard that story, I was like, this sounds like some shit. Like if I don't know, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep my my PC in check right now because mm-hmm. like that. I, I know we got feminist listeners, and if a dude was to do something like that to a bunch of women, he'd be fucking crucified. Like, they would go well, nuts. Well, would he or would they just call it The Bachelor? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's, it's so fucking just crazy and disgusting. And like, yeah, because it it's kind of like, I'd, it's kind of like, um, God, I was just watching something until ago. I think it was on one of them like documentary shows, uh, an ID channel or something. Basically, mm-hmm. um, people would get on, people get online and he would manipulate, uh, this dude would manipulate a person, uh, usually female, he would imp- he would be impersonating a female, but it was really the male sending himself out, but acting like it was a person online, and then, like got him to, mm-hmm. got him to do stuff like this. And to me, it's like the same type of thing. Like you're using you're using the internet to pretend to be something that you're not. But did she really right. like? She didn't. She just kept giving him like inching him on, leading him on. To do it to so yeah. many people, it's just it's so manipulative. I don't know, it just ugh, ugh. Um, yeah, I find it equal parts honestly pretty astounding and astonishing that she pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Well, just think it'll never happen every, again. I yeah, mean. every guy. Okay, it's so like she's like, "Okay, meet up here, blah blah," and like every guy just must have just been going there and just like standing around looking, you know, just hanging mm-hmm. out in like a park, and then became a crowd, yeah. and then these people started setting up setting up a stage. And she mm-hmm. didn't probably she was, definitely wasn't out there. And then like and then all these like everybody thought the exact same thing this guy that was tweeting did. Yep. Oh yep. it's Manhattan. Crazy indie shit pops up all the time. Like what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. and then it happens and then everybody feeling I like 
the amount, like, I'm surprised some, like, damn demon didn't come out of the hell in that pit because of all the <laughs> negative energy. Like, can you imagine, the fr- like, all the right. testosterone and the frustration going on right there? Oh, this woman! Yeah. <laughs> Fucking just bro hard, yeah, man. Like, you see hands popping up out of the ground. <laughs> females! Females! <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, like, this is a pretty good plot for a horror movie. Yeah. It, 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 like a reverse hunger game. Kind of makes you like, wonder if she does, if it's not going to come out that like what that girl does for a living. Like if she's, you know, going in for like um, sociology or you know any any kind anything could be. You know, and then she did it that could as easily be sure she yeah. did that for like an example for like her thesis or some shit for she's going to be some mm-hmm. big doctor or professor or something. That's going to be crazy. It's well, be crazy it's, shit. It's like catfishing three point. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like sophisticated <laughs> catfishing. It's true. Yep. I just I, I'm anxious and I don't want to like promote this. I'm anxious to see what the fallout could be. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how many guys came out there and they're just going to be fucking jilted now? Like, I, I fucking came out. Like, I, I took the day off of work or I took vacation and drove, like, three hours up here or whatever, like, just to get fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, I got fucked, but not in the way I was hoping. Yeah. You know, like, that's really, I don't know, some crazy. It, it's kind of like a, a horror movie plot for a reverse Hunger Games where it's a 100 guys trying to kill one woman. <laughs> oh, God. About, or basically 99 guys trying to kill one woman and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy, man. People need to watch out because people are nuts, dude. You can't tell me all 100 of those guys had a pretty solid uh, psychological profile. Oh, yeah. Like, I, oh, you, you know. know Definitely. I didn't even see. I didn't one even think guy, about that. At least one guy had a duffel bag full of duct tape and rope. Damn, I didn't <laughs> even think about that. Holy shit! All them dudes well, there, like, yeah. You watch enough. You watch enough uh, to catch a predator and listen to my murder. murder. Yeah, you start thinking, thinking this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit fire. Well, before we go into full nut mode, um, I'm going to read you guys a palate cleanser here. And I'm going to end on a, a high note. Um, the final news story I have here is um, about a really badass dog, basically. Um, in Western Romania, this dude named Martin Ion was riding his bike through the Semenic Mountains in Western Romania. And it was kind of like a you know, cross-country bicycle ride. And during the ride, uh, it was kind of wet, kind of rainy, really cold. He hits a pothole and he falls off his bike. And he breaks some bones and the dude basically is stuck with no way to get help until paramedics arrive. And this random stray dog kept him company and kept him warm until paramedics arrived. Listen to this fucking story. As I find it. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Ion fell during his ride and suffered a dislocated hip and a broken collarbone as he rode alone through the Semenic Mountains in western Romania. He couldn't get up and started to get hypothermia as he lay on the cold ground overnight while paramedics rushed to his aid. The dog, who was running next to his bike earlier in the day, found him, lay down next to him, and kept his body warm long enough for paramedics to find him and rescue him alive. They said when we arrived, the dog didn't leave his side and remained there until the ambulance arrived. Mr. Ion was rushed to the orthopedic section of the Timisoara County Emergency Hospital to repair his broken and dislocated bones. He 
He said the Bernese mixed breed dog ran beside his bike earlier in the day in the mist for several hours and then stopped as soon as he fell off his bike. I missed a hole on the trail, he said, and didn't see it, and it threw me right off and I couldn't move. That's when he also stopped moving, walked over, and sat beside me. Later, the dog gets adopted by a public off, a public official from the Carasis Severine County Council and named the dog Max. If that's not a fucking testament to how badass dogs are, I don't know. Because you know a cat would have been like, fuck you, <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at his watch. I'm going to give this 10 hours till I'm eating cold human. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. So yeah, that's man. Cool. Fuck yeah, dogs. Thanks for not being asshole like cats, dogs. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, good stuff. Well, here's the good news, guys. The good news is there's no bad news. The good news is it's only been half an hour, and we're just now getting to the good stuff. Yep. Um, it's going to be a special show, like I mentioned earlier, because this is the first in a new series of episodes that we're calling Cryptid Encounters. And each episode, we're going to explore one specific creature that has been haunting or stalking the grounds, in some cases, the skies or the waters of this hollowed earth that we all share and live in. Um, we're going to probably do it for the next five or ten episodes, give or take. And for the most part, each episode is really going to focus on just one specific monster that we all call cryptids. But we could shoehorn two or three into an episode, depending if we find enough of these little creatures that don't have an hour's worth of content or they may find some way to relate to each other. Tonight's episode actually will feature predominantly one entity, but we will actually mention a second one who kind of correlates into the story. It won't necessarily be a cryptid, so to speak, but it is a, definitely a pretty neat little uh, little guy. So to kick things off. Tonight's episode will focus everybody's favorite. The children love him. The women lust after him. And the men want to be him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you the terrifying tale of the red-eyed, winged menace, the Mothman of Pleasant Point, dun, or simply dun, dun. the Mothman. Boom. <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this and for the next couple episodes we're picking these, you know, world famous creepy crawly things that you have all read about growing up. And we're really gonna do some deep dives and really try to give you guys the ins and outs. And we're doing Mothman. He's pretty well known. Um, a lot of us know the kind of the gist of the story, so we're gonna try to bring you some really interesting little known facts. And, you know, deep cuts of the stories behind some of these encounters. So um, you guys both know a little bit about Mothman, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve, as of an hour ago, you knew a lot about Mothman? <laughs> yeah, I knew, like, barely anything at all. <laughs> right. We'll, uh, yeah, and we'll get to how you discovered Mothman uh, here at the end of the episode because, um, yeah, there's some pretty great stuff we're going to talk about. So, yeah, we're going to cover the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, maybe the why's. Just really fucking dissect this stuff. So strap in, guys. It could be a long one. To quote, to quote Michael from The Office, that's what she said. <laughs> so first of all, Mothman, what the hell is it? This predominantly takes place in the mid to late 60s. And the reason why the creature was called Mothman is really because of its, um, its overall silhouette and how similar this creature looked to Batman of all things. And I never knew that. I had no fucking clue why that was, but 
people started seeing this creature, and we'll describe what it looked like in a minute. And because Batman, the original TV show, had just started airing back on January 12th, 1966, about 10, 11 months before the first sighting, they gave this guy the name Mothman because basically it looked like Batman. And I had no fucking clue about that. I didn't that, either. So here we go. Yeah. Holy fucking really mothballs, Batman. Because I'm like. Right. Told you. I know we haven't discussed what the creature looks like, but like, I don't, I still don't understand why they call him Mothman. He's a, never mind. I'll get that later, but it's just, <laughs> just weird. Right. Stupid ass fucking well, name. Well, Steve, let me answer your question real quick. <laughs> So Mothman is this hulking six to seven foot tall humanoid creature. Um, it is said to be walking on two legs, human-like, but very muscular. The creature doesn't necessarily have arms in almost every actual account or every report. But what it does have instead of arms are two giant feather-like, sometimes furry, covered wings and these puppies span out to be about 10 to 15 feet long when it's fully outstretched. Just wants to show off his abs. Um, what's up, son? Right. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You like that shit? So what's badass about Yeah, what's badass what yeah, what's badass about Mothman is he does do a little bit of walking, but primarily he is really an air uh stalker. He's up in the air flying around most of the time when people see him. Um, the two things he's noted for the most are these giant red burning eyes. So it's known for flying at extremely high speeds. It's able to keep up with automobiles going 60, 70, 80, up to 100 miles an hour down a highway. But when it's walking on its hind legs, people describe it more like it's lumbering, almost kind of like it's shuffling or waddling um, like a penguin. So it can't just run, um, probably because it's predominantly a, you know, a, a beast that flies in the air. Um, some people have said that it was just a large bird, and we were mistaking you know, just a giant crane for this creature, although I've never seen a crane with two giant muscular human legs on it before. Some people thought it was an angel, but many others thought it was something more sinister, including the devil. So during this time, Steve, this is what this thing looks like. If you imagine the silhouette of Batman in the shadows, right? This big, broad shoulders. Um, the cape, Red fucking eyes. Yeah, red fucking eyes. Um, the cape dropping down by his sides and kind of tapering towards his feet. Just a really big, solid silhouette. But to me, like the only difference everything is, that they mm -hmm. described was a bird. It's like bird person yeah. from Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, <laughs> it's Birdman. It didn't look anything like a moth. And I know like I just watched this show and I seen mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. they drew it like, but it's like everything I look at it with like pictures and like that statue they put up at the parade and shit, like that thing mm -hmm. looks like an, mm -hmm. an insectoid or whatever. It doesn't even look like a moth. Mm -hmm. But then I got to thinking like maybe that most, most of the time it shows itself as this thing and they could maybe because that there's a guy that talks about how he saw moths at a street light and something happened and then it didn't look like what everybody else was describing so maybe it shape shifts into different right. things if maybe it ticks on like it's like oh today my job is to be a, the bird and to like you know <laughs> May, yeah so hey maybe this creature um takes on a form of just terror just something just that scares mm -hmm. you kind of like freddy krueger in a way maybe yeah like it Mm -hmm. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, like Pennywise, yeah. They call it Mothman because it's predominantly seen at night. Same thing as moths. 
And maybe because if you're trying to make a Batman association, calling this thing Birdman just isn't quite as scary. Yeah. Because mobs <laughs> are just fucking horrible. I mean, they're the scariest fucking thing since sliced well, bread. <laughs> I've seen some big damn moths, Preston. <laughs> I don't like Watch anything that – that okay, so like moths usually are attracted to light, right? So just like mm-hmm. June bugs, like they're so fucking mm-hmm. stupid. They just continuously fly at this hot <laughs> object <laughs> – and it blinds them. They are a mob. So that, yeah, so that when it gets on you, it do, it doesn't realize what it is, and it like it's like oh shit, like it's all flaring those arms around, like oh I just I'm so fucking dumb and blind, I just hit you, like ah oh, I just I hate <laughs> right. I hate June bugs so so much. Dude, I like no, June they bugs. are terrible. Yeah. Flying at you like a fucking I mean, I kamikaze fighter jet. It's ridiculous. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I hate that shit. I imagine June bugs are just screaming as they're flying. <laughs> oh, I hate them so bad. <laughs> they do dive bomb the shit out of everything, man. And they're always on their back like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, help me up. Help me up. You just get out the next morning and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> I've been on my back for 11 hours. I'm so cold. So cold. He's just been moving his little legs and arms over and over again. Yep. I don't like moths because I don't trust anything that doesn't have a neck and can't look up. Mm. So anyway, I mean, what the thing's got going for it is the fact that it's, you know, six, seven foot tall and it's got a wingspan of about 10 to 15 feet. Um, it lumbers when it runs at you. It flies around and it's got two giant red burning eyes. So... Wait, does it like shuffle like uh, Danny DeVito and Batman Returns? Dude, that's that's yes. what I'm imagining. Literally, when I said it shuffles, I picture him like. Swallowing <laughs> <laughs> his waddling. nasty fucking teeth. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm picturing in my mind right now. Oswald Cobblepot. Yeah, so it's it's pretty fucking creepy, man. And that's why people thought it might have been the devil too, is it was just this giant like cloaked creature when they saw it on two feet and they just didn't know what the yeah. hell it might have been. So, Well, strange phenomenon follows this creature and actually um, came before the creature. Is that what the preceding means? <laughs> Thank <Yes>. you. <laughs> came before. Preceding. Preceding and post-seeding. Um, so – before the creature was originally sighted um, in 1967. I think you just call it being spent. You don't call it post it. Before the initial sightings in November of 1966, they did report in West Virginia that they were seeing a lot of UFOs in the sky and a lot of UFO activity during and after – the actual sightings. And then as well as um, about midway through the sightings and after a lot of men in black MIB uh, encounters were happening too. A lot of activity with strange men wearing tuxedos with uh, very pale skin showing up and saying, you didn't see anything here. <sighs> and people getting threatening phone calls. We'll get to some of that later. And now, also – another. What? Well, go ahead. When I was thinking – when I was listening – Learning about this in um, video, mm-hmm. like to me, it's like it seems like all this alien shit started happening after this thing was being this thing was being spotted. Yeah. Now, like I think, I think um, maybe the aliens wanted it for themselves. Ah. I think maybe, maybe, maybe okay. it goes to their place and they're like, "We need to catch this thing." I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could it could very well be. Yep, you are uh, – you're not possibly far off. So 
Um, and the other thing we'll mention shortly after is some encounters with something also known as the Grinning Man. That's our second character we'll get to after a while. So, all right, let's get into it. Where we're at, guys, is Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 1966. And with the Mothman, the first real reported sightings, they happened before 1966 if you want to be technical because around 50 years before that, 1910, 1912, people claimed that they would see this thing called the Birdman, a creature with the head of a man and the body of a bird flying in the sky and lurking around the woods. You fast forward to 1936 and 1937, there were four separate times when the Ohio River flooded and caused massive damage, terrible loss, tons of hardships in the West Virginia area, and the Birdman supposedly was seen during that time too. But primary folklore, of course, focuses on 1966. First time, November 11th, in a little town in West Virginia called Clendenine, or Clendenin. The first of what we call the modern sightings of Mothman happened in a cemetery late in the evening when four to five guys, depending where you get your uh, your news, your events, your research. And real quick, these dates, guys, don't shoot us if we're wrong by a day or two. Um, depending what documentary you watch and what books you read, the dates often are kind of off by a day or two. So we're just going to stick to these dates and call it good. Uh, four to five men were digging a grave late one night on October I'm sorry, November 11th, 96, 1996. Fucking night. I'm leaving it in there, too. I'm not editing that out. (laughs) Late at night. Grunge era. (laughs) Late at night, November 11th, 1966. You've got these four or five grave diggers out there digging a grave, and they notice up in the moonlight, they see the silhouette of what looks like a giant bird. And the thing's flying around, swooping down and soaring along the trees. It never gets close enough to become menacing to them, but they notice it has very bright red eyes, and they describe it to be kind of like a bird man. They watched it soar and swoop for a little while, and they finished their shit, and they made a report to, like, the police or whatever in town. A few days later, November 13th or 14th, in a little town called Salem in West Virginia... Merle Partridge and his wife are watching TV late in the evening. And it's the 1960s. Who knows what they're watching? Some late show or whatever. Um, It's on a farm. It's kind of out in the country. And they notice, strangely, they hear some weird whining noises outside and some whirling noises. The TV goes staticky. um, It goes fuzzy. And there's like a weird herringbone pattern that appears in the static. And then all of a sudden, the dog just fucking starts going batshit crazy, just barking its head off freaking out they have no idea what's going on so merle gets up and he makes his way outside and about the time he opens the front door and sticks his head out and says bandit what the hell are you barking at the dog just takes off towards this barn shed he has out you know 50 feet or so off the house and merle says he sees some weird red lights and he doesn't necessarily say they were the red eyes of the mothman but what he saw were like two red lights swirling around like you might imagine on like a helicopter blade, like just kind of spinning Mm -hmm. around opposite of each other. But it's kind of off in the distance and it's really dark out and he can't quite tell what the hell it was. So he starts screaming, bandit, bandit, get back in here. What are you doing? 
And he walks a little ways out there, and finally he's like, well, fuck it. Bandit's our guard dog. He chases off animals, and he kills coyotes and whatever else. So, you know, he'll come back inside whenever he's done. He never stays out too long. He always comes back in. So he leaves the front door cracked a little ways. They go to bed. He wakes up the next morning, and Bandit is nowhere to be seen. Front door still cracked. Food's still in the bowl. He goes outside, and there's no dog in sight. The only thing he finds is dog tracks that go in a circle round and around and around almost like something like the dog had treed something or had been chasing or following something up in the sky so whatever he went or his out, own tail what's that or his own tail yeah <laughs> right it could have been could have been my dog got a case of the stupids but yeah so that was a peculiar thing the tracks end and they just start going in a circle and there's no dog to be found so unfortunately um Bandit was never seen again, and Old Man Morrow lost his doggo. Now, in this area in West Virginia by Point Pleasant, there's an old TNT munitions factory. And this thing was an installation that was costed $45 million. It spanned over an area of 8,000 acres, and it was active um, right around World War II, 1942 to 1945. And the area had a bunch of buildings, a bunch of posts, and it was sprinkled all across the area with like igloo-shaped buildings that served as, you know, ammunition depots and, you know, supposedly weapons of mass destruction were kept in there. God knows what. And as soon as World War II ended, of course, they just said, well, we don't really need this anymore. And they just went ahead and stopped using the actual TNT munitions factory. Well, a lot of these different weapons of mass destruction and barrels of chemicals and shit like that started leaking. They tainted the land. And then like any other great landfill in an abandoned area, locals just start saying fuck it and the government starts dumping chemicals. People start just kind of throwing their garbage out there and stuff like that. And it becomes kind of this nasty kind of forgot about place. And then like Mm. any good burial ground or dumping ground – The military eventually turned it over to the state, and the state made it into kind of like a wildlife sanctuary, and uh, it then became kind of like a a wooded area, and you could see lots of deer and shit running around. And so a lot of people believe that maybe this this animal creature that's stalking them could just be a mutated bird or some kind of creature that got into some radioactive chemicals, a la the other reason why they call it the Mothman. I, you know, I mean, this has a man features to it, but it just looks more like a bird than a all the all the eyewitness reports. It just yeah. sounds like a bird more than a moth. But does like, Birdman sound that menacing to you? No, but I mean, the, when I first started watching the show too, I was like, I was like, why does everybody think this thing's just so easy, evil? Yeah, I'm tired of people demonizing red eyes. <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds me of Arthur off of Tick, you know? right? He's just kind of chubby and. He's yeah, like, he just wants to. He just wants to cuddle, and you guys are fucking treating him like shit. That's funny. Wow, look at you sticking <laughs> up for Mothman. So the other cool thing about this TNT munitions area, it was also known to be a little bit of a uh, lovers' lane. Bouncing wow wow. And the primary story a lot of people are going to be familiar with would be the harrowing tale, the encounter with the Scarberries and the Mallets. Two young couples one evening were driving down in Roger and Linda Scarberry's 1957 Chevy Bel Air. Woo-woo. The two couples had just left the necking area of the TNT munitions plant, and they were on their way home. 
Now, as they're driving, they're listening to some tunes. They're probably smooching in the back or maybe they're just holding hands because they're just a bunch of prudes. But they're a little north of the old power plant area, the munitions factory. And out in the darkness, they notice – well, really actually Mary Millette notices two giant red coal-like burning eyes or lights staring at her. And as this creature gets lit up, she's like, holy shit, it looks like this giant hulking creature of sorts. She screams. The thing takes notice of them. They all look out the window and they see this thing like take off up in the air. And they're like, what the fuck was that? Was it a giant bird? Um, was it a giant moth mutant? <laughs> so is it like flapping his wings? Because so, they, they describe it sometimes as like him flapping his wings to go up. And then yeah. or just like having just like some – Forceful, I don't know, Superman legs and thighs, and right? Joints just go. <laughs> like it's straight got up. some pretty thick thighs yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, this thing, depending on the accounts you hear and the uh, the encounters that people talk about, some people claim that they see it flapping its wings. Others claim that it's able just to kind of levitate straight up in the air. And as it flies, it's more or less soaring and not so much flapping like a giant bird. So that's what's really interesting about this. And that's what the Millettes and the Scarberries say. They never really say it flaps its wings very much. Hmm. But so Mary looks out and sees the lights, the, the eyes. She screams as they're driving past it slowly, kind of coming around a corner or whatever. And this thing just takes up straight up in the air. Whoosh. You know, like a helicopter taking off, but fucking super fast. And so they all start getting a little bit worked up. And the girls are screaming. And the guys are like, what the hell was that? And so they're going, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour driving down the road. And all of a sudden, they look beside the car and the girls start screaming. Whatever this thing is, is flying side by side with the car. And its eyeballs are so close to the window that they say it looked almost kind of like giant insect eyes. And it's just peering in at them. So they start driving faster. This thing swoops up in the air. And then they can hear it kind of dive bombing the car. And at this point, they're going 60, 70 miles an hour, and this thing is just fucking flying down next to it, peekabooing in the it's windows, like, flying like songbird. back up. It's, it's right, like pretty the, much, it's like yeah. The, it's the moth monster off of Godzilla. What was it called? Mothra? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but Mothra didn't have giant sexy thighs. Sexy. You know, it didn't have legs. It just like a giant Well, then maybe that's moth. because like back in the day when they were making those movies, they didn't have the technology to sculpt those sexy thighs, so they just hadn't made it a big, fat, blobby moth. <laughs> Blobby, you've seen Godzilla's thighs, right? Yeah. I mean, you might not have taken note of them, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when they made the original Godzilla, part of your up close scenes were literally a Chinese guy. Well, that's not fair to say a Chinese guy wearing giant fake monster Godzilla legs <laughs> from the feet up to the upper thighs as he's kicking down cardboard buildings. Pressed, and I think we can make a pair of fucking convincing thighs. <laughs> Or they broke the thigh mold when they made Godzilla. <laughs> thigh well, mold. Fuck it, Mothra. You're just a giant moth. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Where the fuck was I? So they're driving 60 you know, miles an hour to nothing. This thing's diving. They even report hearing what it sounds like, the wings, you know, as they, as they um, flutter down and hitting the top of the car. <laughs> so they finally, yeah. God, terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, so they're flying out of there like a bat out of hell or a moth out of hell. And they finally get kind of the edge of town and they stop the car and they're panting and the girls are panicked. And they're like, what the fuck was that? What the hell could that have been? And then like every good horror story, 
they decide to go back and see what exactly it was because some of them are like, no, guys, it was just a giant crane, you know, just a big bird. It's nothing scary, blah, blah, blah. So they take off back towards the munitions plant and all of a sudden they see off to the side of the road. This thing's just fucking standing there like it's waiting for them to come back. It rushes the car like fucking Danny DeVito waddling. <laughs> it takes off up in the air. They're just like, fuck this noise. Roger puts the pedal to the fucking metal, and they're cruising at what they say was above 100 miles an hour. And he turns to the back seat and says, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Meatloaf. <laughs> Mothloaf. And she looks over and at him so, and she says, we hit 88 miles an hour. We're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> and he's like, I'm already doing right. 100 because there's a fucking moth chasing us. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, right. Terrifying. Well, that, and that's that's the thing. The girls look back out the window, and the son of a bitch is just soaring, just coasting along with the car again, just staring inside the windows. And then they have this whole ordeal where they're going 100 miles an hour down this fucking, you know, old-ass road, down Highway 62, and this thing's just whoop-de-doop-de-doop-de-doop, yep. and it's fucking swooping up, swooping down, it's banging the roof with its feet, its giant muscular man thighs, or maybe the wings, and all the while they're just like, what the fuck is this? Um, they finally get to town, the bright lights of, you know, the country road hit, and the moth takes off. It just fucking shoop, just right up in the air and disappears. Um, they're startled. They're confused. They have no idea what the fuck is going on. But all they know is this weird bird moth is no longer there. So he parks the car again and they're like, fuck it. No, we got to go. They arrive into town. They go straight to the Mason County Courthouse and they tell their story to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. And about two hours later, word has started to spread and the police go back and investigate the munitions plant. But they don't find a damn thing. And I actually have a picture of one of the newspaper articles here, and the headline reads, Night Rider in the Sky, Afraid of Lights. People in Mason County are taking <laughs> people in Mason County are talking about a flying man who is afraid of lights. He is a six foot creature with the wingspan of ten feet and can scoot along at a hundred miles an hour. Wednesday about midnight, the gray and white replacement to the mundane flying saucer startled two young couples driving north of Point Pleasant. West Virginia, on Highway 62. Once they spotted it, they headed for town at 100 miles an hour, and along came their weird airborne friend, breezing about 50 feet above them with the greatest of ease, they told police. Once they neared the lighted confines of the town, the high-horsepowered night rider in the sky veered around and took off toward the dark and less populated countryside, so the couple say to the police. And that is pretty much our most classic encounter was these two couples just out and about, you know, just banging it out in this old 57 Chevy. (laughs) But the next night, another terrifying encounter happens. On the 16th, Marcella Bennett was driving to a friend's house late at night. When she arrives at the friend's house, she pulls in the parking lot and she gets out of her car. She goes around to the other side and she goes to get her baby out. And then when she looks up, she's startled because she sees this big, creepy, lumbering creature just staring at her. She sees the token red eyes, and she says it starts to walk awkwardly like it couldn't quite walk, like he didn't know how to walk. More like that of a penguin instead of a normal bipedal stride of a man. 
And so it's just kind of like, and I'm sure it's probably grunting and shit like that. It's making its way around the car to her. Um, It scares the shit out of her. And in the moment of panic, she drops the baby (laughs) on the ground. And I'm laughing, but it's not funny. But she drops her baby. And she, I mean, that's got to be like lizard brain, holy shit, scared, you know. And so as this thing is getting closer to her, she finally dives down and she covers the baby with her own body in an effort to protect it from whatever the hell this assailant is. While she's down there, she finally gets the fight or flight. She gets her senses about her. She grabs a baby and she just takes off running up the driveway, you know, flies in the front door, slams the door behind her. Oh my God, blah, 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 locks the doors, babies in arms. And then while she's panicking, the friend says she looks out the window and this creature, six foot tall, with red eyes, is staring in the window. So this thing's like kind of skulking around the front porch and they can hear the kind of the boards creaking a little bit and hear it brushing up against the side of the house. And then, you know, like any other good story, they call the police, the police arrive and there is nothing to be found. Just, you know, a lady in hysterics. They're probably like, oh, great. (laughs) It's the 60s. So, of course, women have no actual credibility. And so they're like, yeah, whatever. So she's fucking terrified. And she goes on to talk about how she gets like PTSD from this shit. And she does a lot of reports and she's basically haunted by this thing for fucking ages after it happens. Now, the next story, of course, is another encounter. Um, You've got these two guys right around the same time frame. They're driving down the highway on motorcycles in the cool November air. And of course, they're going straight out to the munitions plant. Probably not to kiss Maybe they're going to kiss. We don't know. But they're on their way out there, and they're having a good time. It's just two bros. They're doing bro stuff, and the moonlight is so bright. They're like, fuck it. Let's just turn our headlamps off on our motorcycles and just cruise down this moonlit highway. So they're out there, and they're driving, and they look over at the North Power Plant as they're passing it, and they see two red lights kind of bobbing around up on top of this building. So they're like, hey, we're bros and we're manly. Let's go see what the fuck that is because we're out here causing trouble. But by God, nobody else be, you know, causing trouble out here. So they get a little bit closer and they notice the token strange silhouette, big bulky, you know, shoulders, two red eyes. And the red lights they discover are the eyes of this thing. And so they're like, fuck it. Kickstands down, motorcycles off. They rush inside this old dilapidated building. They go up two or three flights. They get to the top floor. And as they're, you know, basically getting to the floor, they look up and standing there in the darkness is this skulking, you know, silhouette of this giant creature with these giant red glowing eyes. And they're stuck there and they're a little freaked out, kind of frozen. And here comes Danny DeVito, just kind of like (laughs) scooting along, just kind of stumbling and, you know, grunting or whatever. And they're just fucking frozen in fear. Like, what the fuck is this? So they're, you know, Scooby-Doo backpedaling a little bit and this thing is getting closer and closer and the entire time is staring at them very fixated on them but what one of the guys said is very peculiar is it's avoiding any of the areas where the sunlight is shining through the windows and you know the cracks in the side of the building so again a testament to the fact that this thing does not like the the light at all So it gets pretty close. They notice that it's gray. It's covered in some kind of like um, real short fur. They can't quite say whether it's feathers or not. And right as it gets close enough to them, there's an opening in the building. 
And it kind of just like hops out the window and they're like, oh shit, where the fuck did it go? And they run to the side and they look out this window or whatever it was this creature jumps out of. And then they hear flapping wings and this thing is just shooting back up into the sky and flying off into the uh, the moonlight. You're like why ta- why and taunt it? Like Yeah, that's, that's, that's my crazy. Thing, I mean that, that that one scared me the most because he just got so close. Yeah. But I mean, look at the time this is going on. 1966. You know, dudes riding motorcycles, fucking Marlon Brando's probably got toothpicks in their right. mouth. They're just like, well, fuck it. You know, I'm not going to puss out in front of my buddy here. And then his buddy's thinking the same thing. So just up there, man, fucking fists and stilettos getting ready to fucking take this thing out. But so, yeah, so um, weird. They, you know, news spreads pretty quick. It's been about a week now and people are freaking out. So like every, you know, classic Frankenstein's monster story. They form a fucking lynch mob, pitchforks, shotguns in hand, and these lynch mobs just storm the town, man. They go to the munitions plant. They never find it. They never encounter it. There's not any great siege or anything like that. But, I mean, people are on fucking high alert. And the creature would be reportedly seen over the course of 13 months in total in Pleasant Point. And it's estimated that over 100 sightings were made during this time. Um, Some were, you know... Undeniable reports, a number of them were kind of like, well, maybe these guys are just wanting to get on the action. People start getting, you know, weird phone calls, weird static on their phones. Um, supposedly men in black are showing up. They want people to keep their mouth shut, blah, blah, blah. And people will report that those who encountered the creature, some of them suffered from earaches, um, buzzing in their ears. People begin to have strange psychic dreams and premonitions. And a lot of people say they're having these weird nightmares about water, like water and Christmas presents floating and shit like that. And the story kind of comes to an end here on Friday, December 16th, 1967. This is, you know, right before Christmas. It's on a Friday. Um, It's later in the evening. It's nightfall. And people are driving, you know, to get Christmas presents. They're spending their paychecks. They're going out to dinner. And they're going up and down this bridge. And this silver bridge that we talk about here, it's 40 years old. And cars are back to back all the way across this thing. It's it's heavy loaded. You know, there's traffic. And out of nowhere, a cable snaps. It dumps the fully backed up bridge into the water. Um, Half the cars go in the water in this river. And then it teeters back and forth a little bit more. It dumps the other half of the bridge worth of cars into the water. And then the bridge actually comes unhooked and falls on top the majority of the cars. Crazy. And, you know, there's reported people, people were severely injured, people lost their life, and everything else. So a lot of, a lot of instant kind death, of too. Like, oh, you yeah. You car dude, I mean, and then like, you're done. Like, oh, yeah, because it, it's cars stacking up yeah. on cars. Being crushed. And twisted metal. Or, yeah, metal. Oh, over. yeah, dude. And, the, and that incident made them change the way they inspect bridges to this day. Yeah. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. That's why I was such like because it was oh. such a big deal because it was like one of the first bridge collapses. Interesting. And, I didn't and that know that degree in crazy manner right around Christmas time. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Like, shit. Wow, huh? I didn't know that. That's interesting. So I mean, of course, some good came out of this terrible yep. thing, but. Well, so that's a good place to kind of put a pin in the story at this moment because we're going to enter another character into the story, this classic guy we mentioned earlier called the Grinning Man. And Presto, you want to take over here and grab the wheel? 
Yeah, so let's talk about Indrid Cold, a.k.a. The Grinning Man. So many people have claimed to have met Mr. Cold, and whenever he ends up, shit really hits the fan, or the stories say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Many eyewitnesses believe that The Grinning Man is actually one of the men in black linked with UFO sightings. Now, parent-wise, he's always kind of described differently from one sighting to the next, but he has certain similarities in each one of those sightings that has actually linked him throughout all these tales. Um, he's always grinning, so in every single tale, he's got a grin like the Joker, you know, like, why so serious? And, <clears throat> and accounts say he has hair. Other accounts say he's bald. He is described wearing a black belt with a suit, which is sometimes described as being blue, sometimes green, sometimes plaid. But regardless of the color, it's always shiny and it has a metallic like appearance to it. So everybody says he's always in this weird metallic suit. It's got a shit on fleek. And yeah. <laughs> and so there there are those who think that either we're dealing with multiple individuals going by the same name or we have one entity that changes its appearance depending on the situation. So mm -hmm. my first introduction with Indrid Cold um really took place with the Mothman Prophecies movie. I know, Steve, I, I had asked you earlier if you'd seen that. Um, because really, my 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 first introduction to Mothman period was with that movie. And so I've always kind of associated him with this phenomenon. So every time somebody, you know, says Mothman, I automatically think Indrid Cole. And, you know, when I was younger, I always, whenever I watched a movie and it said based on real events, I you know, I always took that as meaning like it's 90% true. <laughs> blow and, for blow, this is what happened. Yeah, blow for blow, this is what happened. So I, I know now it's like really like 30% true and Hollywood <laughs> takes a lot of liberties. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it turns out that that movie and the actual story differ a great deal and there's often a lot of confusion between the two. Right. Now, and I mean, if people, let me interject real quick. <clears throat> Save your if you haven't watched it. Save yourself the trouble. I will give you the thirty second spark notes of how this movie goes down. <laughs> Richard Gere and his wife are in love. They're trying to buy a house. Ooh, they I bang love. it out. I think in the closet of one of the houses they're touring. <laughs> yeah. She dies. He grieves. That's not funny. I'm not making jokes. Um, he goes to investigate this because supposedly he sees one night um, something swoop down at his car with giant red eyes. Uh, he starts getting phone calls, and this guy's like, I know you have chapstick in your pocket. <laughs> and he's freaked out. Oh, why are you bothering me, Mothman? And then the uh, the bridge collapses, and that's the end of the tale. So there yeah, you go, yep, guys. Pretty much. That's, that's the movie right there, right? <laughs> right. Well, so – and that's based off of uh, uh, the book that was um, written by John Keel. And mm -hmm. when John Keel was there doing investigation, um, there were some strange sightings and what some call men in black as well as a few odd phone calls made to Keel who the, the phone calls were from a man called Indrid Cole. Now, right. uh, during those phone calls, Cole offered some cryptic prophecies, but none of them had – any real relation to the sightings of Mothman or what was going on during that area during 66 and 67. Um, and the movie tried to tie those two incidents together. Um, there was another Mothman movie that um, the Cornstalk curse. Have we talked about that yet? 
No, we'll talk about Cornstalk here in a bit, yeah. Okay. So there was another movie that kind of tied those two things together, but so when I get done with this, I have a, a different take on Injured Cole, mm-hmm. but there's really three known sightings of the guy, and the first sighting took place October 16th, 1966, New Jersey, so nowhere near where Mothman was being seen. We got mm-hmm. these two boys, Martin, a.k.a. Mouse Munev, and James, a.k.a. Jimmy Yankchitis. I don't know. We're going to go with it. <laughs> Anyways, All they're right. walking up down, yeah, they're walking up down 4th Street uh, when they see this surreal figure standing near a fence. Both boys are looking at this figure like, what the fuck? This guy looks weird. They saw that he was wearing a one-piece suit that was reflecting light from the street lamp, and then it had this weird green metallic shimmer to it. He had on a black belt, and in terms of physical features, the boys claimed that he had two beady little eyes that seemed too, like, the, the spacing was off. Like, they were too far apart. Like, this this guy uh, does not even look fucking real. He had no ears, no nose, no hair. And the creepy man chased them until they got away, and then there were UFO sightings around the town reported that, you know, that same night. So uh, little uh, Mickey the Mouse said, uh, (laughs) Jimmy nudged me and said, uh, who's that guy standing behind you? I looked around, and there he was behind that fence just standing there. He pivoted around and looked at us and grinned that big old grin. And then, you know, Jimmy said that, uh, you know, he was the strangest guy we ever seen. He was standing behind that fence, and then, I don't know, he got there. He was the biggest man I ever saw. So, so <laughs> you know, two little eight, ten-year-old boys, I don't know, right? Right. Now, the second sighting, this one is, like, huge because this is the one that has the most stuff written about it. Right. All right? November 2nd, 1966, Partsburg, West Virginia. So now we're closer to uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, right? Woodrow Durnberger is driving home on Interstate 77, and he hears this loud fucking crash. Stops the car, and all of a sudden, there's this unidentifiable uh, unidentifiable vehicle in front of him. And he describes it as an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney thing flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck. And at this point, I'm like, what, what, the, what the fuck? What type of description is that? So what, <laughs> what he's really saying is this fucking UFO crash-landed in front of his truck, and he's sitting there like, holy shit, there's this weird vehicle. And then the UFO starts hovering about 12 inches off the road. This door opens. He hears this thud, and all of a sudden this being pops out, and it starts, like, hovering toward the car. Hi. And... <laughs> then it's like the, the you know the vehicle's like fifty feet up in the air and this thing is keeps coming toward him, and it ends up it's the grinning man. He's got a dark tan and uh, telepathically he says, "My name is Indrid Cold. I mean you. I mean you Yes, yes. Cold said yeah. that uh, he just wanted to know more about the human race. He would visit Durenberger again." And their their conversation lasted like 10 minutes. And he goes on to say, listen, we eat, we breathe, we shit, we fuck, we bleed, even as you do. We're the same. We just want to check you guys out, okay? And uh, towards the end of that, uh, Indrid Cole revealed that he was from the planet Lannawis in the galaxy of Geminades, Geminides, Geminades, I don't yeah. know, whatever, Okay. 
from the planet Lanolis in the galaxy of Genomedes. No, there you go. We'll go with that. <laughs> so Durenberger describes the being as looking like an ordinary man off the street, six foot tall, about 35 years of age, olive complexion, so he's Italian, dark brown hair, and wearing a glossy metallic dark blue coat. So now we have this metallic coat thing again. Mm. And over the course of the month that followed, Durenberger claimed that he was visited by Cold many times and that he even took him in a spaceship to his planet. Cold would also appear on his front door. His wife and children knew who this guy was, and then they started coming forward saying, yeah, uh, you know, we've met him. And uh, um, Woodred's wife had stated that uh, these beings were much like us. They traveled in everyday cars, dressed in everyday clothes, but were not human in origin. Hmm. Uh, she goes on to say, they aren't only making t- contact around here, but they're doing it all over the country. They find the people in West Virginia more receptive. So apparently, you know, those West Virginia people, uh, you know, are on point with paranormal. On pleasant point with him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, she goes on to say, it was at the second meeting that night on November the 4th that Cole told me about himself. He's from a planet called Sean, what is it, Lownhouse? Lanolis. Land, whatever. And that they have woods, streams, fields, oceans, the same as we do. They've taken samples of our vegetation and our animals. Um, ours is much like theirs. Cold is married. His wife is named Kimmy. And uh, he had two sons at that time. He's got three children now, one born on the night around Christmas time, a little girl. So are the Lamellinolites the ones who are stealing our cows' buttholes? Yeah, I think so, man. We're we're starting to make these connections here. What if they came to Earth just to take samples to, like, you know, put new vegetation on their world, but they got it wrong, and oh. they're just growing a bunch of, like, cow butthole trees? Ooh. <laughs> like some Rick and Morty shit. Crazy. <laughs> And uh, there was one point that Durenberger disappeared for six months, and then when he returned, he said he was with uh, Cold the whole entire time, and everybody in the family believed him. So, you know, he got away with, uh, you know, ditching the husband responsibilities for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, he would receive mental messages from long distance, uh, from Cold from a long distance, um, and that left him with piercing headaches. His residents would often receive strange phone calls. Sometimes they were threats to stop speaking about the experience. Other times they were just odd beeps and hums. Sometimes it was just silence. The family changed their phones a crap ton of times, but no matter what, the calls still continued. Like somehow cold still got a hold of that number, baby, and kept uh. on dialing. Now, uh, his story gained a crap ton of media attention, so the locals would flock to his house at all hours of the night. They would wait in his driveway just to catch a glimpse of his intergalactic friend. And on one occasion, two armed men loaded with rifles were hiding in the woods, and they observed a black Volkswagen enter his front yard. A particular man, or peculiar man dressed in an all-black suit with tan skin exited and talked with Woodrow before leaving. The hunters were disappointed as they had waited for hours and they waited the rest of the night hoping to see something truly terrifying. <laughs> because in Virginia in 1966, uh, a flying saucer is also what they called a VW bug. Yeah. <laughs> that damn German. Right. All right. So both uh, the Durenbergers uh, had stated that Indrid Cold and his species were time travelers, making the story even more strange. Hmm. Yeah. 
So to me, that's the best. That's the best one. The third one actually took uh, took place uh, in Point Pleasant, and it uh, happens with the Lily family. Um, they had been reporting poltergeist activity in their home, such as diamond-shaped lights. And uh, Lily, the Lily's daughter, Lydia, was sleeping one night, and she woke up to see a man standing over her. Mm. Her description was, mm. he was the big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see that he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood right over me. I screamed and hid under the covers, and when I looked again, he was gone. What kind of little girl are you? It's like it's like you sell you sell like four scums all. Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> your your little girl impression sounds like fucking Jimmy and his friend from New Jersey too. Oh. Preston has one accent yeah. and it's child with a lisp. Yeah. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so it's and Biggie was child with lisp. Yeah. He's it's doing the dice movie. The man. That's all he really knows. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it said the grinning man could be an intergalactic or, or could be an a uh, intergalactic or cross-dimensional bounty hunter who's in search of Mothman and efforts to capture and return the beast to wherever it came from. However, I don't know. The third sighting doesn't really sound like the grinning man at all. Like I think the girl just had sleep paralysis, and mm-hmm. you know, like everybody who's got sleep paralysis tells just sees some type of thing. I mean, how many, you know, in Japan there's folklore of grinning demons. Like it, it doesn't fit the bill with the rest of the story because he didn't have yeah. a suit, he didn't have the black belt. Like you, you woke up, you saw a weird dude that was smiling, and then because. You know, the Durnberger story had so much hype. They're just like, oh, my God, it's the grinning man again. Right, right. So a lot of times in sleep paralysis, um, you kind of see that which you are the most scared of. Yeah. yeah. And so if this little girl, um, Lisp and all, you know, heard about <laughs> the tales of this, <laughs> yeah. this grinning man, then, of course, it's what you're going to see. And, but. you know, so and I kind of talked with you earlier about this. So with like Bigfoot sightings, there have been a lot of reports that when people will encounter a Bigfoot, they also see like UFOs in the distance. And so a lot of people have chalked that up with, you know, um, Bigfoot being like an alien or something, or like those, those two phenomenons are now related. But I think it's just happenstance. Like it's just coincidence. And I think like with, Indrid cold, like it doesn't necessarily mean like those two phenomenons are tied together. I think it's just happenstance because like when the Durnberger crap was going on and he was talking about like all the crap that Indrid cold had, had said to him, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it never once involved Mothman. It wasn't until later that people were trying to make this connection. And I, I, I think it's just, you know, this men in black UFO stuff was happening around that area. Mm-hmm. And then at the same right. time, you had Mothman going on. Have you have oh. you seen? Uh, I posted a link in the in the Discord chat. But if you go to that cryptid click on the Indrid Cole stuff. There's this picture, and it's like supposed image of Indrid. <laughs> you got to see this guy. It looks like a fucking wannabe Blues Brothers. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's not even much. smiling. He's having fucking grinning. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> oh people like, yeah like, that's the beauty of wiki wiki page wiki pages yeah anybody can edit it but it's just funny but this guy like comes here every day and when somebody votes it off he gets right back on yeah. and puts that picture up there <laughs> so somebody's gonna be walking by him and like walmart or walgreens or something 
He's going to be like, look, that's Indrid. It's Indrid Cold. <laughs> I saw him on the website. It's ridiculous. He sent us this picture of William Defoe, and that's who I picture the fucking grinning man. <laughs> Especially to be that anyway. last that last one. <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, oh, what a creeper. Uh, well, Presto, I I argue a little bit that the grinning man is associated with Mothman more because and, and here's why. So to back it up a little bit, you mentioned John Keel. And the Mothman movie, of course, has a little bit to do with uh, Ingrid, and that's why – or Indrid, and that's why we're like, yeah, this one and the same. You know, that kind of muddied the water a little bit. But Richard Gere's character – I forget what his name was, like John Klein or some shit. That character is based loosely on author John Keel, who went to investigate what was going on, you know, a little while later, months, years later after the uh, – the encounters happened because he was writing a book called Mothman Prophecies, which is what the movie's based off of. And while John was there investigating, he reports that a lot of times he would get weird phone calls and supposedly he had some run-ins with this guy. And he claimed that on his phone in his hotel room, he'd get weird whining noises and clicking noises. Like he felt like uh, he was being recorded and he went as far as to like, you know, call the phone company and they're like, no, we have no signs of tampering. He got their permission to take apart his phone and there was like this weird matchstick piece of like sized piece of wood in there that had metal on both ends of it. And so he claims that his phone was tapped. Apparently Indrid called him a couple times and it got to the point where like Keel, I think, unplugged his phone and still got phone calls. But you listed those three encounters with Indrid and I came across a fourth one I wanted to mention. And this one takes place in uh, West Virginia in Point Pleasant. And so there's another lady who has some reports. Her name is Mary Heyer, and she happened to be a reporter that worked for the Point Pleasant um, newspaper called The Messenger. So a few days after the bridge disaster, she became, you know, just flooded with phone calls from locals claiming they had seen UFO lights in the sky before, um, during, and after the bridge collapse. And then one night, the next month in January of 67, she was stuck in her office working late one night and then she describes this really peculiar man who walks in his eyes being very strange um, almost inhuman as she says but they were covered by very thick glasses and this isn't quite you know the classic grinning man because this man is reported to be a little bit shorter as well Um, he had very dark long hair cut in sort of a strange bowl shape Oliver Tree um When he spoke, he had a very low, strange voice that almost kind of stuttered. And at first she thought he uh, suffered from some sort of speech impediment, but that wasn't really the case after she spoke to him for a little while. Mm -hmm. So they talked a little bit, and the entire time while they're talking, he wants to focus on one subject. He wanted to know more information on people that had reported seeing strange lights in the sky, and he was very interested in getting directions on how to get to this town called Welsh in West Virginia. Um, he talked to Mary, and the whole time he's talking to her, he's just getting closer and closer. And I, I hate that when, like, when you're talking to somebody and they just want to like inch closer, and you're backing up and they're inching closer, and it gets to be this weird waltz that you guys are doing together. Awkward. <laughs> but it gets to the point shuffle. where, like, the <laughs> the guy can't take a hint. And uh, she ends up getting a little nervous and she calls her boss into his office. And while they're talking, um, the phone rings and Mary goes to answer it. And this little man looks over and he notices her ink pen, like a really nice intricate ink pen laying on the desk. 
And he picks it up and just becomes like infatuated with it. And she says he has a look of amazement on his face as he's looking at the pen like he's never seen an ink pen before. (laughs) And she says like they kind of talk a little bit more. And as he's finishing up the conversation, he kind of like looks around, shoves the ink pen in his pocket and then just takes off. Reminds me of that creepy pasta. the smiling man. Yeah, the the smiling man. Yeah. I know. And that's funny. We talked about that when we talked about creepy pasta while back with you and uh that's the first thing I thought of too was his fucking creeper. Yeah, he's creep. But supposedly it's not the last time that she would see him. Apparently a few weeks later she saw him crossing the road near her office. Um she recognized him. He looked at her and when he realized who she was, he panicked and made a dash for this large black sedan that he apparently was driving. But she said it was weird, like it almost appeared, like just kind of came around the corner. Like as soon as he needed it, he jumped in the back seat of the car and it sped off. And people claim that, you know, this man was visiting a lot of homes. He'd been reported um, asking about lights in the sky. He claimed to be a member of the press from Cambridge, Ohio. But when questioned, he didn't really know much about Ohio or like the things or the people there. Um, And a lot of people claim that when they witnessed him, he was always smiling real big and very nice, but almost a little bit too excited to be there. Like the guy just fucking couldn't quit grinning at people. Ergo, they also thought he was Ingrid Cold, Ingrid Cold. Yeah, but he didn't have a metallic suit and he didn't drive a black Volkswagen Beetle. So (laughs) fake news. Not not only that, but like the – like you were saying, like these men in black didn't start coming around so this dude started coming around. Well, the men in black had started coming around about the middle of the Mothman sightings, actually. So before this the, dude showed up? Yes, before okay. this guy showed it up. Because like, I mean like from – vid- From that video, it made it seem like they weren't really coming around until that dude. Yeah. No, there was reports of like them showing up um, a little – probably a little while after the bridge collapsed, right around the, uh, the bridge collapsing. But some reports of injured say he had kind of this weird, like, uh, you know, like you said, olive colored skin, but sometimes it was almost translucent. And the men in black, a lot of them people claimed that, like, they just, their skin was almost clear. Like, you could see through it into, like, their veins and weird shit. And, like, it's kind of a milky color. And the, the grinning man, when John Keel was there, asked him a lot about the Mothman as well. So I don't know. It could all just be a little bit of some folklore all wedged together because, of course, like you said, the guy doesn't have those token telltale signs of being the grinning man. But a really fun um, theory that I read on a lot of different websites and a lot of different videos I watched, a lot of people, tongue in cheek here, they relate Mothman and Indrid Cold to Batman and the Joker. And – that's where I kind of sit back and say, well, this is really similar, guys. Like maybe this whole thing is a bunch of bullshit. Or maybe, the, maybe the Mothman is true, but the Grinning Man was something you guys tried to shoehorn in here to make you know, your fan fiction. But a lot of people say they kind of had this cat and mouse thing about them that you know, Indrid appeared in Virginia on November 2nd of 66. And then Mothman is seen about two weeks later. So they say there's almost this cat and mouse Batman and the Joker relationship where maybe Mothman came to Pleasant Point in search of Indrid because he was trying to warn the people about the dangers of him being there. And then he may have been responsible for the bridge collapse and Mothman and a lot of reports was seen around that bridge, perched up on this bridge and in the woods Mm. near it and always flying around it days leading up to the actual collapse, including some people say they saw him there the night of. 
And some theorize he might be like a, a warning sign, like an omen of like, don't come near here. So I'm, I'm going to recant my whole they're not related. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take it one step further. <laughs> so modern day reports of aliens are sometimes associated with giant owls that kind of had like regular <sighs> eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. So you already know. So like wonder if like back then, instead of being an owl, that the one alien species just presented itself as a giant moth. Mm-hmm. So we get Mothman and then, you know, the, the men in black are like whatever Indrid Cole is, that uh that's the other alien species and that's why he was trying to warn us like these guys are like the reptilians or like the jackasses, like stay oh, away from them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Ah, and you know, kind of on a similar note, some people actually theorize that, uh, like you said earlier, you made that crack about the bounty hunter. A lot of people think that Indrid Cold was an intergalactic bounty hunter and Mothman could have been on one of these UFOs or Mothman could have somehow gotten into our plane of existence or our dimension or our planet. And the UFO um, activity they saw were search pods looking for Mothman and the grinning man is kind of like the guy who's supposed to be down there to reel him back in and, and you know, so to speak, put him back in his cage. Mm-hmm. So lots of lots of cool stuff. But um, getting back back around here, what exactly is the Mothman and where does he come from? And that's, you know, oftentimes the question and people think maybe he's just this mutant. But if he's not just some man-sized insectoid mutant akin to the Ninja Turtles, what else could he be or where did he come from? And Preston, you mentioned earlier the Battle of Point Pleasant, a.k.a. the Cornstalk Curse. So if we go back 200, almost 200 years before the Mothman sightings, back to October of 1774, um, there's a Colonel Andrew Lewis, white man, and he's in command of about 1,000 men in the Point Pleasant area. They're, you know, doing their so said um, colonizing, a.k.a. plundering and pillaging of the Native Americans. And they're forming this giant two pronged Virginian invasion of the Ohio Valley. As Lewis's forces make their way down to the Kanawha River, guided by a pioneering hunter trapper, Andrew Arbuckle Sr., they anticipate linking up with other forces commanded by a Lord Dunmore and forming this giant army and to go down there and basically storm the Ohio River and then try to get people um, to either negotiate with them, i.e. the Iroquois uh, Indians. But the Shawnee Indians don't want to be consulted in the treaty. They don't want to consult. They don't want to conform to the white man. They want to be left alone. It's our town. It's our land. We don't want to conform to your ways. So they get a bad taste in their mouth and they decide we're not going to surrender our land to the white man south of the Ohio River, at least with uh, not without a fight. And so they have this chief there and his name is Chief Cornstalk. And Chief Cornstalk, he wasn't called Cornstalk, of course, it was a really nice Native American name, but it translates loosely into Cornstalk or just stock. He's like, I don't think we're going to do this. We need some allies of our own because we're going to be fighting a giant army of, you know, the pale-faced men with their um, their muskets. They form, the Shawnees form alliances with other Indians, some of them the Mingos. And so you have this giant Shawnee Mingo Native American army facing off against the white man. And we had this giant battle called the Battle of the Kanawha. 
And basically what happens on October 10th, 1774, big battle breaks out. They take over. They kill a bunch of Indians. They only, they only lose a couple, you know, hundred pale face um, white men, but they lose over a thousand um, Native Americans. And among the dead is the white man. Uh, not the white man. <laughs> the, the plain the white dead, man. Right. Among the dead, the white men killed Chief Cornstock. The thing was, like, Cornstock wasn't a total asshole who said, get off my lawn, you dirty bastards. He did a lot to help out the pale faces. He kind of supplied them with some supplies, aided them in finding food, kind of gave them a lay of the land, told them, you know, the way He around. wasn't trying to claim the land for himself. He was trying to claim the respect of the land. Yeah, you know, keep, yeah, keep exactly. It to the people, he, not to a certain person. Yeah, like maybe we can kind of live in uh, harmony, or at least you know maybe they're just passing through, and we can help them get gone, and they'll just fucking leave us alone. Uh, he's Native American, so it's his land to begin with. Okay. There you go. There you go. And yeah, right. That that classic song and dance of like maybe they'll just leave me alone. And they're not here to rape and pillage. So he does a lot of good stuff for them, and in the end, they're like, come on down to the fort, drink a little beer with us, maybe we can negotiate, and you can kind of, you know, start worshiping Christian Jesus, and uh, we're all going to be happy. Well, it doesn't work out, and he's like, I don't want to fucking join your club, I want to, you know, keep doing the things I have been doing all my life, bada boom, bada bing, there's a war, and Cornstock, in his dying breath, is reportedly saying, I was the border man's friend, the friend of the pale face. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and our lands. I refuse to join your pale face enemies with the red coats. I came to the fort as your friend, and you murdered me. We have, you have murdered by my side my young son. For this, may the curse of the Great Spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its people be paralyzed with the stain of our blood. So a lot of people claim that this Mothman might be this Native American spirit who shows up just to terrorize people, destroy their bridges. A badass blah, blah, man. Blah. Like, there's What's nothing that? better than a curse. You're going out, you fucking curse mm-hmm. somebody. I think that is so cool. I guess you were thin there. Yeah. <laughs> you killed my daughter. Like, I love it, man. You have chapstick in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I curse you with washing your chapstick. So there you go. That in itself is the tale of the Mothman of Point Pleasant. But I don't want to end there because the Mothman, he reaches his wings a little bit farther than just Virginia. And this is some of the fun stuff. I don't know if you guys knew this. You may or you may not. But there were other sightings clear across the ocean in Germany. So about 10, 12 years later, in September 10th, 1978, at a mine shaft in Freiburg, Germany, there's a group of around 20 to 21 miners, and they're working down in this mine. One morning they arrive, and as they're walking up to kind of like the entryway of this mine shaft, they see this weird man with a big overcoat, kind of stocky and hunched over, walking strangely towards them. They're getting closer, and they're like, this is weird. The guy's got a big hat, and his face is kind of obstructive, and he's just got that fucking giant coat. But when they get close enough to realize this isn't a man at all, they realize the overcoat is actually wings wrapped around this creature's body, and he doesn't really have a head at all. And, of course, the body outstretches these giant gray wings. It lets out this screech, 
of what they say to be 50 people screaming at once or a train trying to break sight of a twisted rail. So does fucking, you know, blood-curdling, metal-on-metal scream. Their wings, uh, the wings on this thing are like 10 feet across. So this thing takes off and flies away, and they're like, fuck it. I think we're all going home sick. They stay there, but they opt to stay outside and not go actually in the mines. And shortly after, this thing disappears, so there's a large explosion in the mine. The entryway, you know, crumbles to the ground. And the entity's presence may have actually been a warning something was going wrong and they weren't supposed to enter the mine shaft. Thus, yeah, it was the Das Mothman. <laughs> das Mothman. Um, thus, Mothman may have saved their life. However, uh, six out of the 21 workers apparently saved by the monster were still working at the mine only six months later. Two of the men who had pledged. Uh, who had pledged they saw the Mothman um, perished suddenly. Um, they were broke. They ran out of money. Their families all split up. Others were plagued by um, psychiatric problems. So this creature and other, you know, in Germany is not known as Mothman, but it's known as the Freiburg Shrieker, but it fits the Mothman, you know, description to a T. And this is the one that I found to be a real kicker. Do you guys ever hear the story of the black bird of Chernobyl? Negative. <clears throat> Negative. Yeah. So apparently in the beginnings of April of 1986, a rumor tore through the ranks that there was a little-known nuclear power plant located in the southern tier of Ukraine called Chernobyl. In the days preceding the tragic meltdown, four Chernobyl employees had reported seeing what they claimed to be a large, dark, headless man with giant wings, the legs of a man, and fiery red eyes soaring above the power plant. Other Chernobyl uh, employees started saying the same thing, saying, yeah, we've seen this thing kind of walking around. Some people said it was up in the uh, – perched on the rooftops. Others said it was kind of lurking through the trees watching everybody. People started having those token terrible nightmares about you know catastrophes. Other people in the area started receiving threatening phone calls. And according to some accounts, employees even mentioned their bizarre experiences to their superiors at the facility, but without any actual evidence, they're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, quit smoking the devil's lettuce and just fucking get back to work. Yeah. Shortly after that, April 26th, 1986, during the routine test of Reactor 4, the nuclear power plant was rocked by a massive explosion. 30 people died that morning, followed by 10 additional deaths due to radiation exposure. We know this thing, this is the Chernobyl explosion. And then we have nuclear fallout, you know, the next 17 years. But what's interesting here is the black bird of Chernobyl was still seen lurking in the premise for days and days and days afterwards. Um, even Soviet helicopters circling the smoldering area, dropping, you know, the clay and the sand to put out the fire and hopefully kind of bury some of that radioactive uh, waste on the ground. Um, they saw this supposed 20-foot-long bird gliding through the uh, tentacles of the irradi irradiated smoke and some of the uh, rubble as well. So people say supposedly this black bird or the Mothman still kind of lurks in the area warning people to stay away because of the nuclear fallout. So I never heard that before until researching this oh, for the last couple of weeks. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's interesting. And then the last one here, which like I'm like, Chernobyl, that's kind of crazy. Fucking Fukushima. 
You guys remember back in like March 2011, fucking mm-hmm. Fukushima mm-hmm. blew up? Yeah. Yeah. So this American guy, he's, you know, on vacation there. His name is Marcus Puels. He was in Japan and he and a friend were walking, you know, near the Fukushima plant just doing their shit. And uh, while they were on their little stroll, they report that they heard a very loud shriek off in the distance. And when they turn around, they saw this creature sitting on top of the Fukushima power plant. Big kind of bulky shoulders. When it notices them, they say it unfurls its wings and begins to fly towards them. And it dove back and forth near them, kind of cutting off their walkway as they're making their way towards the plant. And it keeps going higher in the sky and then dive bombing them. And they're like, what the fuck is this thing? Well, get it away, get it away. And finally, they're like, what the fuck? And so they start walking the opposite direction. Rodan. <laughs> right. But as they uh, they finally turn away and walk the opposite direction of the plant, this thing then flies back over and settles back on top of the roof and just watching them, uh, just, just watches them. And what they report, of course, is this creature had two giant glowing red eyes and this thing seemed to haunt them the rest of the time that they were there. And then, you know, soon after they saw him, um, Fukushima was devastated by an earthquake and the nuclear power plant then, of course, blew. And witnesses walking by were potentially saved by this creature stalking the area. Shit. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Fucking stay away from Chicago. Right. <laughs> right. But um, the la- lastly here um, – in just the last year, in 2008, later part of 2017, if you guys remember, there's a fucking Mothman being reported in Chicago, Chicago yeah. right now. I remember when you were talking about that because you were like, I wonder if Mark knows about it. <laughs> yeah, I asked Mark about that and he's like, fuck no. But yeah, uh, apparently there's this guy who said that you know one night in December he went to the bar hanging out with some friends in the summer. Well, did I just say December and then in the summer? Oh, <laughs> the story's written in December, sorry. Um, This guy reports back in the summer of 2017, he was working with friends the Friday night late shift at a security uh, office. He left, went to get some drinks, looked outside and saw what he thought was an airplane flying, but also something moving very awkwardly underneath it. When it got closer, it looked like a bat, but so much bigger, almost like a pterodactyl. Um, The slenderness or lack of a head, giant wings. Um, I know what birds look like, he says. And bats as well. This thing didn't have any feathers or fur and didn't fly like anything I had seen before. Um, He says it jutted around. It had two muscular legs, a slightly jutting tailbone with a human-like shape except for two giant wings. And it, it, uh, it flew in a strange swooping motion, not necessarily flapping its wings. And, of course, he ran inside because, wouldn't you know, his phone was charging... And then he texted his girlfriend and said, this was the worst time in the world to have my phone charging, LOL. <laughs> but yeah, other people in the area report um, in late Chicago, giant black bat-like beings flying with glowing red eyes, big old owls, and something that resembles a gothic gargoyle, 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 and the Mothman. But no William Defoe. No William Defoe, <laughs> right. No smiley man that we know of. Um They said that most people never saw it standing. It's always classically seen in mid-flight. But people say that while they're driving, this thing has swooped down onto the hoods of their cars, peering in the windows, and then flying straight up in the air, just like the alleged characteristics of the Mothman from Virginia. 
So yeah, this thing went all across uh, Facebook. There's been a new book written called Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Dwayne Humanoids. Um, that was a <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently there's a guy named Lon Strickler who wrote a book called Phantoms and Monsters and uh, – or he has a website called Phantoms and Monsters and a book called Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoid. So blah, blah, blah. Pretty nuts. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's very interesting to me about this old Mothman and I feel like that's a good place to stop with him. You know, I think we give this old guy his, uh, his due, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I mean to finish it out when we can with these uh, cryptid deep dives. I want to try to you know list some pop culture stuff. So uh, we've got Mothman Prophecies, the book by John Keel. We've got Mothman Prophecies, the movie. Uh, we've got Mothman, the lunchbox. We got Mothman. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> there's a book called Silver Bridge by Gary Barker. And then, Stephen, you mentioned a little Fallout 76, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out uh-huh. in November. They've, they, uh, when he did his, like, Todd Howard, he's the main dude at Bethesda. He comes out and he does his little spiel. And he's like, you see that in the distance, you can go there. He's talking about Fallout 76. And the way that Fallout 76 works is that it's actually in West Virginia. You're one of the mm-hmm. first people to come out of the vault uh, to basically start the process of colonizing areas. After the mm-hmm. fallout, uh, and it's all West Virginia. He's like, and don't. And he said on the stage, he was like, "Don't worry, we're gonna. We really want to capture stuff that's from West Virginia because every setting they put one of their games in, they always study the shit out of the area and put in like landmarks oh, yeah. and like lore. So there's definitely gonna be some alien stuff in there. There's definitely gonna be. He he mentioned Mothman on on stage. That was pretty tight. So yes. So it, I think he specifically cool. said something about different cryptids. Yeah. So you could get more. And there's a badass screenshot that a lot of people are reporting right now on like Instagram and yeah. Twitter. And of off the in the foggy haze, you see yeah. Mothman looking silhouette. And dude, there I can I can almost guarantee you there's gonna be an Ingrid Cold in there, cold in there, dude. There has to be. Because that <laughs> it would, fucking, it'd be yeah. so perfect just because that game is all about just finding random weird little yeah. like just creeps in in the, in the world and he would be perfect yeah a little npc maybe yep. that just shows up yep just shows up it'd be cool if he showed up and gave you like a little uh side quest no, it would be shit. really cool and preston you would know what i'm talking about if like he was the mysterious stranger in all the fallout games that just sh- yes wouldn't that be fucking nuts like if they tied that in that would be fucking amazing yeah that'd, that'd be badass dude. Yeah, hell yeah that'd be cool hell yeah well to round it out, I want to give some shout outs. Um, we're not being sponsored by these entities. We're not <laughs> – not Mothman. We're not being sponsored by these entities I'm about to mention here, these companies. But um, a big chunk of what we talked about tonight, I got a lot of my info from a truly awesome documentary from a company called Small Town Monsters. And um, I'm looking into these guys more and they're doing a lot of really cool like cryptid deep dive documentaries and stuff like that. So cool. Um, you can find the Mothman of Point Pleasant is the small town monsters docu that I watched, and Steve, you just watched it before yeah. this episode. It was really good because like he, Sean was like, "Yeah, you got to check it out," and I was like, "Okay." So I I went on Prime Video because you where you can stream it for free, and yeah, I, I looked at it and I was like, "Okay, this looks like one of them." Like because they have shit tons of documentaries on Prime, so if you're mm-hmm. a documentary lover, you got to get on there because they got tons of them, even more Netflix. Um, and, and, like, it started, and I was like, okay, this looks kind of low budget. And then, like, 
I don't know, man. I was just take. I was t- I was sitting here with the computer, headphones in. The score they use on on, on the show is really good. They do this really really cool like little cutscenes where they're like kind of like mm-hmm. drawn and and I don't know. It was just really it was really cool listening to, like old interview tapes and it just mm-hmm. it was pretty mm-hmm. chilling. It was really really well Fucking done. Solid, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was very, like you said, it was unsettling, chilling, solid fucking job. So um, they're amazing. If you want to follow them on Instagram, they are at small underscore town underscore monsters. Check them out. Definitely watch that documentary on Amazon. Um, it's a really great docu. I think they might have some other stuff on there. So, you know, we might be uh, really leaning on them for some of our info on this stuff. And then next up. Check out, guys, go check out, just Google them, Maiden Voyage Clothing Company. Um, a while back, my buddy Seth and his girlfriend Q, um, they live in San Diego. They went to the Pin and Patch Fest, and he sent me this package, these really great, like, slightly bigger than business card-sized patches from the Cryptozoology Tracking Society. And they're just badass, like, patches of these different cryptoids, Mothman, uh, Bigfoot, Aliens, Chupacabras, they have some fucking fantastic posters, T-shirts, enamel pins, buttons maybe. I didn't see any buttons, but I'm throwing buttons in for Steve. Um, <laughs> they have an Etsy store. It is www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Maiden Voyage Clothing. Don't worry. We will um, put these in the show notes for you guys. Again, we're not getting any money, any kickbacks, anything. I just think – People should check out these two companies. Um, and then what's cool, too, when I mentioned Batman, they've got a really neat Mothman enamel pin and a badge – or I'm um, sorry, a, a patch. And it's the old school, like, original mm. Batman uh, logo, but it's got little moth ears and two red dots. That's pretty dope. They're fucking – they're just amazing. They have some really great stuff. So, um, And Steve, like you said, we're going to start up the old uh, – we're officially using Instagram now, so we're going to put on some companion uh, Instagram posts for these episodes. So the day we post, we'll have photos that we talk about throughout the show. Um, we will definitely give you guys links to Maiden Voyage Clothing Co. and Small Town Monsters so you can check them out. But it's going to be fun. We're going to actually have you know visual aids for you guys to check out to uh, make more sense of what we talk Everybody about. Everybody so. likes pictures. Everybody in the club getting pictures. Fuck yeah. And then I think um, – I just discovered this recently. Mothman wasn't the only thing to terrorize people in Virginia. So I think next episode, guys, we're going to jump into the Flatwoods monster. That sounds like a fucking fun one to jump into next. Yeah. So uh, you guys got anything else to add to Mothman? I don't. Nope. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. I think to quote Buster Rhymes, we did it to death. We hit it and quit it. We hit it and quit it and pulled up quick to get with it. (laughs) <laughs> fuck yeah man well you guys got anything uh, you've been watching reading listening to you want to plug real quick before we jump out mm-hmm. I'm gonna I just got the my new phone so I'm, I put a bunch of um, uh, books on there I'm, just, I'm gonna try to read the Dark Tower series nice and then I got all them uh, Goosebumps books which I just sent to you what? Yeah. yeah. I've been wanting for a long time to reread the Goosebump books. I'm pretty sure I can knock one book out in about 30 minutes. <laughs> so I'm anxious to try that, man. Yeah. But uh, hell yeah, that's exciting stuff. Um, Preston, you got anything special that you're uh, watching or, or listening to or anything like that? 
No, I just uh, been uh, finishing the Magnus of Java that book so that I can do a, a little special on that. Um, and I haven't really been watching anything, so awesome. Well, not to bogart this part of the episode, but if you guys aren't watching Castle Rock on Hulu, it's a very fun show. Yeah, I was worried. Cool. It's a, it's based off of Stephen King characters, and it kind of takes place in the overall universe that he's kind of creating out there in Maine. Um, it's a lot of fun. It takes place primarily um, in the same town as Shawshank, and part of the set pieces may or may not be Shawshank. I will let you watch it to figure it out. Uh, it's really fun, and it kind of ties a lot of stories. There's some Easter eggs in there um, from different uh, books and everything. This not very, you know, on the nose like. Uh-huh, we just mentioned this, but it's pretty cool in the fact that Sissy Spacek plays um, one of the lead characters in it. And she played Curry. Carrie, right? In the, yep. Yeah, she played Carrie. Um, the kid who plays Mike in the new Stephen King's It remake um, plays a character, kind of a side character in this one. And then um, Skazgard or Skazgard. Um, Pennywise himself plays a character in this movie that is not or this TV show. It is not Pennywise, but yeah, they do a lot of uh, pulling from the lore and pulling from actors associated with other projects from Stephen King. Really badass. Every Wednesday, an episode comes out. Pretty good stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. And then um, lastly, real quick, if you guys are looking for some new music, check out this guy Austin Lucas. Um, I mentioned it to both of you guys a little bit before. Um, I'm not really a big country fan. I don't like country, okay. like fucking getting me a big old truck and taking the tailgate off and getting me some boots and a beer. I don't Ooh. like that modern country bullshit. Um, if that's what people like, if that's what you like, listeners, then fucking listen to it. Love it. It's not my bag. But Austin Lucas, you would call him kind of a country singer, but he's got a new album out. It is called Immortal Americans. Do yourself a favor, please, and go get that album and listen to it. It's not like fucking big old truck country. It's like fucking Memphis, you know, Tennessee. Just the guy they Twain. mentioned on the on My Favorite Murder. I don't know if they mentioned Austin Lucas or not. I don't think so. Where did you hear and learn about him at? I so uh, our buddy Eric had some tickets for a house show because it's right. a crowdfunding. Yeah, that. it's a crowdfunding effort. Um, couple years back last year i think um he went on a house tour like kind of like a patreon gofundme and mm-hmm. if you donated a chunk of cash he'd come play a show anywhere you wanted at your house so he took me there blindly and i watched this guy's show and fell in love with his acoustic set and uh immortal americans just came out i think on the 17th and it's just fucking solid man like if you want some really like fucking just heartfelt somewhat haunting um country like real country twang music um listen to immortal americans it's good stuff there's no fucking big old trucks he's he's telling stories and fucking pouring out his heart and it's yeah it's fucking amazing honestly i wonder if he's on spotify he should be man he should be cool check it out i would think so but yeah it's it's worth like just trust me just fucking go, just go buy it blindly. It's amazing. I really love it. And uh, I've got a rare recording of about an hour long set he did here in Wichita. And coincidentally enough, he told some pretty funny ghost stories <laughs> at our Wichita show. So that was really neat. It's awesome, dude. Uh, all right, man. I mean, I've given him about two hours now. So, yeah. What more do they want from us? Honestly, people, what do you want from us? Yeah. Had some strange technical difficulties in this one. That was, uh, odd it's weird 
blame it on injured, I think, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, guys, uh, plug your shit. Let's get out of here. Don't forget that if you have a beard, want a beard, want to grow a Mothman beard, check out <laughs> BigDobsBeardBomb.com. And Sean's going to give you our promo code. Hell yeah. Check out P-X-L-P-A-R-A. P-X-L-P-A-R-A. 20% off your entire order, guys. You can't beat it with a stick. All right. Cricket, cricket. I thought I thought <laughs> Preston had more to add to that, but he was spent. No, did you say that you can't beat it with – did you say you can't beat it with a dick or can't beat it with a stick? <sighs> I'm not going to answer it and leave that to your own interpretation, Preston. Because you're cutting out really bad and I could have sworn he said you can't beat that with a yeah, dick. Yeah, I was say it's cutting out a little bit, but it's all good. Uh, you can't beat it with the stick. Awesome. Uh, Steve, man, are you guys going to do anything with O&D coming up? You uh, still- I don't know. It's hard, it's hard yeah. to tell. I'd like to. Hiatus right now. That's yeah. respectable. But it's all good. We'll get it get it all going. And, uh, yeah, be ready for uh, some more Instagram, Twitter, all that shit. We're going to start updating that oh, yeah. with, with pictures and stuff. I'm pretty excited about that. So, Hell, yeah. That's awesome, man. You're going to be our, our man on the social meets. Indeed. Yeah. And check out Mark, our buddy Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. He's still putting this thing down and reversing it. Um, lots of good stuff, pop culture that he's watching, reading, absorbing. So check him out. And then Preston, what is my favorite sports car related podcast? Sports Car Unleashed Boom. by our buddy. Live uh, it, love it. It is the best. Yeah. So I've heard. And if you're in the Wichita area, check out CD Trade Post. Yep. We love them. Shout out to uh, John and Leslie. Sorry for October. Do that live oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Got some local live stuff going down there. They've invited us for a fun little event we're going to have gonna down there. She's going to buy dinner, gonna, too, dude. It's going to be fucking awesome. Oh, damn, that's true. Steven's excited about dinner. Going <laughs> <laughs> to have haunted Popeyes, probably. Oh, Popeyes sounds good. <laughs> yeah, we can't wait for that. It's going to be fun. A little local meet and greet and people yeah. sharing their stories. And uh, speaking of that, guys, parting notes. If you've got a story that you've experienced on your own um, share it with us. Hit us up on our Gmail, pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Message us on Twitter. Message us on Facebook. Message us on Instagram. But we can't wait to hear your stories. Um, we got a couple more here we're kind of sitting on, and uh, we got an AMA. We're going to do an Ask Me Anything, maybe a live Facebook uh, broadcast. That would be together. awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. So if you guys got weird questions about um, us, about the paranormal you'd like us to answer, if you want to know what Preston's favorite color of underwear is, ask us anything, guys. Mm. We'd love to mm-hmm. answer that for you. And we'll be taking, of course, live questions during that feed as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. But cool. I think we uh, we did it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for all our new listeners, our new supporters. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. We can't wait to continue to give you more great stuff. And next episode, the Flatwoods Monster. And thanks again, Chauncey, for the gifts. Yeah, Chauncey, thank you so much, man. That's truly outstanding. And we really appreciate that. Sweet. Cool. All right. Thanks so much, All guys. Right. We'll catch you next time. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical the strange, the unknown, tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal 
at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.